Welcome to the New Life Podcast on the Stream Grace Network. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for uh, joining us again on episode six of the New Life Podcast. That's right. We are six in. We continue our process of recording live in front of a studio audience, as they say, <laughs> uh, here at New Life Church. And uh, today, my partner in crime is John Yule Sr., John, how are you? I am awesome, man. Well, it's good to see you up here. Well, good to be you with you. You look nice. I, I, I hope I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I try to clean up good. You do. You clean up pretty good. Amen. I don't know. I've never seen you like all messy. Uh, you know, yesterday we were talking about earlier about being out in the middle of a cow pasture at a prayer meeting. And, right. and Annie and I, as we got in the car, we thought, is that dirt all over? <laughs> uh, well, I guess it is until I got in the shower. I was actually sunburned. I went oh. and so just got burned real good. But it was great. <laughs> Which, the fire got <laughs> fell. That's all right. <laughs> Which would be worse? That's the question. Like, is uh, it, would you have rather it be dirt? Uh, well, you know, here, here's the truth. Here's the truth. I wore I wore shorts yesterday, and I am so tired of people talking about my white oh. legs. They aren't white anymore. Oh, good. I need to get some color. Now on they're kind so of lobster helps. red, huh? Right. That's right. <laughs> well, today today's guest is uh, a great friend of mine. He's an author. He's a pastor. He uh, does a lot of things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Wayne Hines, how hey. are you? Hey, Wayne. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. So um, Wayne is, uh, he, his voice is featured on some of the podcasts on the network. And uh, do, do this because I, I like it every time I hear it. Say, so you're listening to the Stream Grace Network. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. See, it's so good. Wow, he has a great voice, a great it's, voice. It's solid, isn't it? For recording, that's right. So uh, Wayne, how are you, man? Man, I have never been better. Well, I am really happy that you're here today. You couldn't be better after this music. That was good worship, worship. right? Worship, yes, awesome. it was great. I Man, enjoyed it. I was I was feeling very emotionally charged, <laughs> like before we ever started, just yeah. overpowered um, by how good God is, right? Yes. Amen. Yes. So, Wayne, I, I want to talk, there's a couple things I want us to talk about today, and, and really, a lot of it's just whatever you want to talk about, but some of the things that... Um, that I'm excited to, to talk about, kind of highlight them. We're gonna talk about um, kind of how you came to know Jesus, your process there. Um, and I wanna talk about your calling, because I think sometimes people misrepresent your passion and your drive, because you work with the homeless. Yes. And, uh, but I think sometimes that's just oversimplified. And so yeah. I want you to talk about that. But, right. but first, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up. I know you're German. Yes, and that's why you and I get everybody along. knows I'm German because my wife tells everybody at Clarabelle's I'm her German husband. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so Clarabelle's I, I didn't even mention that. So tell yes. tell us about Clarabelle's. Well, well Clarabelle's is our restaurant in McLeod, and uh, we have uh, home cooking, uh, family recipes, and uh, if you haven't been there, you got to come see us. Are you the cook? Uh, I am. I am. Uh, well, my wife is the baker oh, and okay. the cook, and All I right. am the cook. All right. Yes, yes. So right. you'll he, read he the menu and it says schnitzel. Wayne's Red Cabbage. And it's Wayne's Bavarian Sauerkraut. And oh, Wayne's wow. Three Bean Salad. Okay. And Wayne's Curry Ketchup. And How come I've never heard about your restaurant? Um, <laughs> because I'm a bad friend. <laughs> Wayne, I I'm not going to say anything because I love my brother and I'm not you. going to pile on the bandwagon. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to check you out. You got to come. You got to come. Yeah, but, sounds uh, good. So anyway, yeah, but you grew up. Tell us where I, you grew I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, in a German part of the country, in a German 
culture, so to speak. Uh, everything was about work ethic, and uh, you worked harder than everybody else. So I was, uh, I was raised a workaholic. I was born a workaholic, raised a workaholic, and successfully became a workaholic. You had no chance, really, right? <laughs> uh, between your father growing up on a dairy farm and, uh, and your family having a Pentecostal background, you have no choice but to be a workaholic. Uh, my father joined the Air Force for an easier life when he left home and said it was. <laughs> so I was raised with an Air Force father, German father, Pentecostal father, dairy farmer father. <laughs> yeah. So when I read the scripture, he came to set those at liberty who were imprisoned. <laughs> I claim that for me. <laughs> that's, your, that's your liberating verse. Oh, man. But uh, no, I, I, uh, my mother was a deathbed asthmatic when I was a kid. I, I grew up uh, very conscious at a very early age, called uh, my father to come home because my mother was dying for the first time at age four because mm. I was trained to do that. Uh, grew up learning to pray for my mother when her lips were blue and her wow. fingernails, uh, fingernails were blue uh, until help would get there. So I grew up... Uh, with, in a sense, without a childhood. Mm. And uh, so uh, uh, all of that uh, transpired later on into uh, uh, my father was, uh, was this Milwaukee City uh, CA director, Christ Ambassador, right. Assembly of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I had my little notebook out and took notes and tried to preach to my stuffed animals so I could be <laughs> just like dad. <laughs> Uh, How big was your stuffed animal congregation? Uh, <laughs> about the same size here. Okay. Yeah. You had a lot of them. <laughs> uh, when you're the oldest only child, you know, uh, yeah, that, that happens. Uh, later, my father would, uh, with a group of uh, other young couples, go out into the ghetto area of Milwaukee from our suburban Milwaukee church, uh, bring in three, 350 kids wow. out of the ghetto on Sunday morning wow. for children's church. Uh, most of them black children uh, into our all-white church. Sure, sure. Uh, that was a culture shock for our church. Mm -hmm. um, so what I do today, I really tie back to the missionary mindset of my father. So I'm, I'm named after him and really carry in my mind that same passion, that same care, that same concern, that same sacrifice. Uh, fast forward, I'm skipping a lot of maybe That's what you fine. want to cover, but my wife there on the front row, I met her when I was working for a sign company and she had opened up a boys home in Shawnee for foster care oh. boys who aged out of the system that weren't ready to take care of themselves. Wow. So she's managing this group home of the have-nots. Mm. And as soon as I went to see her and saw what she was doing, I was compelled to join in. Yeah. And so our, our marriage ends up being based on our meeting and having in common this passion for the have-nots. Mm. And... Uh, Maybe the most profound scripture to me is when Jesus says, whatsoever you have done to the least of these, you've done unto me. 
Right. And mind you, I've, I've grown up in, in church. I've grown up in church leadership. Uh, the church I attended for 35 years was founded at my mom and dad's kitchen table. Mm. Uh, my mother was a secretary after getting healed for 30 some years. My father is the, is the leading elder. Uh, we were involved in, in if, if there was something going on, we were in it. Uh, so I've, I, I, know, I know intimately church ministry being in this setting, no, nothing towards this group of people. I don't know this group sure. of people. But church ministry meaning that you minister to each other yeah. in the confines yeah. of the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you when you are, are, are grown up as a young man, early, early married life, everything is about what happens in the wall. But there comes a point at which you get this burr in your saddle, in which you get this uncomfortableness, in which you begin to look outside, in which you're going, why, why are we praying for the same people every Sunday? Right, right. When, when you know that Miss Sally Sue is always gonna come to the altar call, yeah. and you know that as soon as the pastor steps in front of her, she's gonna shake, give, and collapse. Mm. When, you can, when you can tell the routine, yeah. like it's choreographed, yeah. you begin to question how real is what we're experiencing that we're all cheering each other on for, yeah. and yet, on the flip side of that, you have Thanksgiving dinner and you make, you make announcements, you put it on your bulletin board, you, you, you advertise in the newspaper that, that we have this Thanksgiving dinner open to the community, but it's on Sunday. Right. It's at the church. Right, yeah. And if you'll just come to church on Sunday, you can have this free Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. Yeah. You gotta come to us for us yeah. to do something for you. Yeah. And I began to question everything. Yeah. Everything. So, being a PK, a preacher's kid, growing up in that environment, obviously this, quote, burr under the saddle, something at some point impacted you to wake up to the reality that ministry is more than just among Christians, that there is a world out there. So what... Can you tell about what what age were you when this began to stir in your heart and you began to reach out and go out? Well, it it, it would it would come in cycles, mm -hmm. and I, I'd go on a mission trip for two three weeks to Mexico or to the Philippines, and I've had six or seven of these trips, and and you see how those people live, and you see their commitment, and you see their sacrifice, and you see them going out after service to hand out bags of rice and bars of soap and bottles of water yeah. and gather a crowd and share the good news of the gospel. Right. And then you come home and you see them gather up bags of offering collections sure. yeah. and build bigger buildings and buy newer vans. So what do you think is so difficult for us to transition that whole reality that you find on the mission field? And people get so excited and empowered to do that. And then we come back home and it's sort of que sera, sera. It's We just sort of fold back into the well, same. 
One, we are, we are so bound by traditional church. And, and we have forgotten that your church has a mission to go into the world, not to bring the world into the church. That's so yeah. good. That is you so know, good. Uh, we have fill a pew Sundays, right? We have bring a friend Sundays. Yeah. Sorry, I probably shouldn't bounce on that. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have all these things to bring people into the church, right. and yet the command has always been to go. Right. And so we've got everything reversed, but tradition keeps yeah. us in that, for one. Two, we could become a people that very quickly get into a comfort zone because we know it works inside, and even when it doesn't work, we pretend it does. But we're not really sure that it works outside. Yeah. It works outside for that evangelist that travels. It, sure. it works outside for that, that guy at the Salvation Army. It works outside. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I got to tell a story. Can no, I tell that, a story? It's okay. all you, bud. I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the restaurant the other day, and I got, I got two little old ladies there for the first time. And, and we get to talking, and we, we tell everybody what we do. I mean, we're a walking billboard for what we do. And, and as we get done, I'm sitting at the table with them because there's nobody else in the restaurant, so I don't have to be back cooking. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm talking to one lady. She's asking me questions, and the other lady gets out purse and gets out her checkbook, and I just assume she's getting ready to write a check because I took their order at the table instead of them coming to the counter. And, and when she gets all done, she says, I don't know how to make this out. And I said, just make it out to Clarabelle's. And she says, no, I want to help with the ministry. Mm. And she writes me a check for $100. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's the telling part of this story. She says, I'm not really good with people, but I can help you. Wow. Now, yeah. you can look at that a hundred different ways, but if you're 75 years old and you're not good with people, <laughs> what happened on Sunday morning for 50 years didn't work. Right. Mm. That's good. That's See, good. I, I say that the church is a laboratory. Yes, it is. You, you go to college and you take a biology class and you get what? You get an hour of lecture and two hours of laboratory time where you practice and see if you can do what you were told in the lecture. Right. Our problem is we have an hour of lecture on Sunday morning and we have no laboratory opportunity. That's true. And that so- true. All our people are, are going, well, I, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. you're, you're called to do that. I'm not called to do that. You can do that. You're anointed for that. I'm hogwash. <laughs> I don't have any more anointing to do what I do than any of these people out here have. Right. Because there is only one anointing. Yeah, that's true. Now, I'm radical. I, I subscribe to that. I, I, don't, I don't believe in praying for a, for a, a fresh anointing yeah. or a greater anointing. Because yeah. if you it's got there. the anointing, you got everything you, there is. You've got yeah. it. We have and an so anointing from the every Holy person Mind. in this building this morning right. has an anointing right. to go. Right. Every person in the building has an anointing to love. Every person in the building has, has an anointing to do unto the least of these. Right. Our problem is... Are you going to ask me any questions? No. I, Where you know what? You talk? Why would I get yeah. in the way of God here? <laughs> no, it's so good, man. Our, our problem is 
is that our focus is not on going. Our focus is on two income yuppie families with an education. Because mm. mm. <laughs> they can give in the offering. Mm. And we're more worried about giving in the offering and building buildings and preachers who live in gated communities mm. and spend all their time at health clubs ogling other women other than their wives. Spitting Which truth. happens to... Then we are in simply going. Yeah, that yeah. is true. And it doesn't have to be the homeless. It can be the nursing home. Right. It can be the emergency room waiting room. It, it can be the, the local public school. It, it, it can be the, the, the project... Uh, apartments where where they sit out on the stoop it can be the oklahoma county jail yeah right so you don't have to do what i do right but you have to do you were created and designed for good works and it's so true let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father see all the the, the greatest worship service is not sorry jeremy it's all right it's not the one that happened this morning right the greatest worship service is the one outside the yes. building where they look at what you do and who you are and how you interact with the world yeah. around you and go wow yeah that must be god yeah. you know it and and i'm glad you brought that up because this is something that i've not really had a good solid chance to share but you know when you start looking at the scriptural what, when, when God's talking about worship, what are we talking about? In the Old Testament, they worship God with an altar, right? And what happened at the altar? You took your best and you sacrificed it at the altar, your best sustenance, really, your, your animals. And you would sacrifice, and that would be worship to him. And in the New Testament, you have in Romans, it says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, for this is your reasonable act of worship. Yes. And what we've done is we've turned worship into the song service. Now, I'm fine with singing songs, and in that moment, am I worshiping? Sure. Absolutely. But just to your point, when I make myself available to be used by God by sacrificing my will and agenda for his, that is my reasonable act of worship in the Jeremy's Amplified Version yes. of Romans 12. Yes. Right. Amen? Yes. Right. Yes and amen, brother. Yeah. Uh, when you sacrifice... Um, uh, your, your recliner, when you sacrifice the, the, the new episode of Criminal Minds, when you sacrifice, <laughs> when you sacrifice Sunday night football. Yeah. Because, you know, the Cowboys are the Patriots. One of them is always going to be on Sunday night football. <laughs> you know, but, but we live in this self-indulgent society where we make excuses. I can't. Sure. I'm not. I can't. I'm not. Mm -hmm. And yet we've, we've heaped on ourselves every 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 benefit every luxury every you know so um, you know in the process of that I, i'm thinking of the scripture where it says um whatever your hand finds to do do it mm -hmm. uh, it's like living in an awareness continually of opportunity yes and being aware of what can i do at that moment you know my wife and i were saved and we were brought to a church I loved our pastor, but he didn't do us well here. He sent us out to knock on doors and invite people to church. That was the thing to do, to witness, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, we, were, we didn't know what we was doing. Um, and I, I thought, he didn't go with us. He didn't show us what to do. He didn't tell us how to do it. He just go, you know, which is great. But we didn't know what we were doing, right? And um, versus teaching us 
that our whole life is a ministry. Yes. 24-7 is a ministry. You don't have to take time to go knock on a door and say that's witnessing. Your whole life is to be a witness, right? That's right. And so being aware of any opportunity at any time makes us available for the Holy Spirit to prompt us to do whatever needs to be done. So you're talking about a divine appointment. I'm, ta I'm talking about hmm. living under div an, a, a divine commission. Yes. To, that my life is to be a living sacrifice, right? And that's not taking away from the fact that there may be an appointed time to go out to the streets or maybe an appointed time to gather to worship, whatever. That's okay. But I think the biblical pattern is every moment of every day, live ready as the Holy yes. Spirit prompts you. He can show you, tell you, prompt you. And you step into that, you're, you're ministering for the glory of God, right? right? So I think we haven't defined ministry properly. They think it's, most people think it's a pastor behind a pulpit preaching mm -hmm. out of a Bible. Or even witnessing, you know, that our whole life is to be a witness and just making ourselves available. Do you, do you? I absolutely agree. Yeah. Abs we, we've confused divine convenience with divine appointment. That's good. If yeah. it's convenient, it's got to be God. Yeah. My Bible says, be ready, be always ready, in season and out of season right. to give an answer. Right. So you should be ready to give an answer in Walmart. That's true. Or CVS. That's true. Or standing across from an on-cue gas pump. Mm. Right. You know. That is so uh, true. And, and should be looking for those opportunities. That's, right. that's the key. Right. We should be looking for those opportunities. Okay, let's fill in some gaps quickly. <clears throat> when, what, what got you from Wisconsin to Oklahoma? Uh, the Allen Bradley Company moved their ferrite plant from Milwaukee to Shawnee. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, cheaper non-union labor. Yes. And uh, natural gas that was almost free compared to up north. And uh, How old were you at that time? Uh, I turned 16 the month after we got here. Oh, okay. So your dad worked for them? Is that My right? dad worked for them. Okay. Uh, I came uh, kicking and screaming. Right. Uh, now been here obviously a lot longer. <laughs> I won't tell how long. A lot longer <laughs> than I was there. Uh, I still feel very tied to my to my Wisconsin roots. Um, if I had my druthers, as a good Okie would say, now you know how long I've been here. <laughs> yeah. If I had my druthers, uh, I would live 50 miles northwest of Green Bay, where my father's family is from. Uh -huh. But I'm here because this is where God has me and I'm content in the place that God has me. Okay, you triggered something in me right there. Okay. Quick. Wait a minute. A boomer just got triggered. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wrote this down to ask you, I didn't want to interrupt, but my wife and I had a privilege of being up north. Uh, it's our bucket list to go to every state before we go to heaven, right? Well, so we got into Wisconsin, went to Oshkosh, mm -hmm. saw the Great Lakes, which to me is an ocean. I said, well, I gotta go see where the Packers play. So we drove up to Green Bay, got okay. to spend some wonderful time there. Drove back down through the center to um, uh, Madison. Okay. Right? All through Wisconsin. The heart of liberalism, Madison. He, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> most, most colleges are. Did not see one dairy cow, tell me why. I did not see <laughs> one dairy cow. Did we, baby? Not one dairy cow. How can I drive through Wisconsin and not what see I, a dairy cow? What I want to know is how do you drive blindfolded? Honestly. <laughs> honestly, not one dairy cow drove, I don't know how many hours we spent in Wisconsin, not one dairy cow 
I said, my heart is broken. My image of Wisconsin is shattered. What, what time of year was this? I, I cannot recall. It was in the latter part of the year, I think. Okay. If it was winter time. It wasn't quite winter. It's probably okay. in the fall. Okay. I'll say fall. Okay. I'll give the cows an opportunity bad, to be. Bad winter me. days, the cows stay in the barn and get fed in the barn during yeah. the day okay. if you have a barn operation and not a parlor operation. It was a beautiful day. It wasn't bad. It wasn't winter. But there was no cows in Wisconsin. So anyway, I just had to ask you that. It sounds like he's holding you personally responsible. I I just wondered if there was a secret to cows hiding in Wisconsin when they ought to be in the field eating and being milked. I don't know. I just had to. I I repent. That's okay. Thank you. But anyway, but fortunately, you got to to Oklahoma. Got to Oklahoma. You know, know, I think I'm, 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 so about what year was your dad uh, transferred here? 75, 76? Yeah. Because at that time, before I went to the ministry, I worked in a bank in Shawnee. Mm. And there was a crisis because we were not bringing industry into Shawnee. Uh They hired a person specifically to go out and invite companies to come into Shawnee. We prayed over that. So you're an answer to my prayer, man. Wow. (laughs) Because we have seen companies come into Shawnee over the years, particularly at that particular time, within a few years, we saw a number of them come in. So you're to trying help. to make me feel guilty because I came kicking and screaming as well, an answer to your prayer. You came by the will of God, brother. Our prayers got you here, and now you're doing a good work. So I, I felt like I need to interject that because the power of prayer That's does cool. work. That is that totally is cool. cool. I want to I want to get back to just something real quick because we were talking about Sunday morning and the the distinction between you know we're supposed to go out. I remember when I got into ministry as as 20 years old and going in, I I, I had the dangerous thing is I actually you know had a relationship with Jesus and read my bible and was like wait a minute i keep hearing the guys say we need to get people in here so we can get them saved and i could never find that in scripture and it was always like what are you what are you talking about and so i wrestled with this and you and i have had a lot of these kind of conversations and so it begs the question what is sunday morning for and i have always stopped to look at this because you said it. everyone here has an anointing right there which means to equip or it's an equipping and so I can't help but think that our goal on Sunday morning should be to equip the saints. Thoughts? Uh, our, our, goal, our goal on Sunday morning is, according to that scripture, we are to equip the saints, bring them into maturity, and uh, uh, into harmony of understanding. And part of the process we use for that is to practice those 31 one another's. Mm. Yeah. You know, the, the idea that I am the only teacher in the building on Sunday morning at Grace Point Church is a lie and a falsehood. The truth is, if, if I have 30 on Sunday morning, I should have 30 teachers. Mm. That is 30 true. encouragers. That is true. Uh, 30 servants. And so our, our particular gathering, our, our first 20, 30 minutes is, is not uh, this type of worship. It's not me preaching. It's, it's an open air forum. What do you have? What did you bring? Good. See, Sunday did not come by surprise. It's in the same spot on the calendar week after week <laughs> after week. So you know Sunday's coming. <laughs> Whatever, whatever God was speaking to you during the week, yeah. whatever God was doing in your life during the week, you should be sharing that. 
right. in that gathering on Sunday morning right. because when I've had a rough week and I know that God is still moving in you and I know that, that he's not a respecter of persons, I know that in spite of my bad week, he's still moving in me. Yes, mm. yes. And so we don't have enough interaction right. on Sunday morning. Right. And so when we don't practice interaction on Sunday morning, what happens? Mm. You go out into the world and you are interaction inhibited. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did you ever see A Bug's Life, the animated? It's relevant. It's you relevant. Guys a Bug's Life. Already laughing. No, the, because this is really what we are. In A Bug's Life, yeah, you know, it's talking ants, so that's cool. Um, but... They, they have this mantra because they collect all this food. And this, and this is a spoiler alert if you didn't see this 20-year-old animated film. Um, so they collect all... I know you didn't. That's what I'm telling you. So, so they get all this food, and then the grasshoppers come. And it, they take their food. But what do the ants say all the time? The ants sit there, and they keep saying to themselves, they come, they eat, they leave. They come, they eat, they leave. Because they're, they, it's like they're scared of them. Well, we as Christians are doing that all the time. Hmm. We come, we eat, we leave. Hmm. And, and so, you know, you look at that interaction. Hmm. Um, wow. Right. I mean, we're here, but what do we do? We come, we eat, we leave, and we never get into that point of practicing because we're waiting for someone to give us permission to go practice. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not the guy that's going to give you permission. The permission was given to you thousands of years ago. <laughs> and, and that equipping that is on our lives is there. We, it becomes a lack of faith and trust in what God said, not what the pastor said or what you think. The most humble thing we could ever do is agree with what God says about us. Yes. He says yes. we are called. He says to go unto the world, preach the good news. And, and so you have these folks that are up in arms because, well, they didn't do the gospel at church this week. They didn't, they didn't offer an opportunity for salvation. Well, it, I, most people are here saved. Yeah. I don't need you to get saved every week. I need mm. you to go out during the week and, and preach Jesus to the world. I, I, once, I am sorry I'm preaching. I, 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 once, I once knew a very prominent Baptist evangelist personally who traveled all over the country and internationally. And his statement was, when I hold a revival, if I don't get at least one of the deacons, if not all of the deacons <laughs> saved again, I have not had a good revival. <laughs> wow. What about the pastors? <laughs> uh, anyway. But, you know, <laughs> that, that's my deal, particularly in, in, in charismania. Yeah. 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 You know, where, where the same people fall down, the same people prophesy, yeah. the same people give a message in tongues. Yeah. We, are, we are just repeating what happened five mm. years ago. Mm. And the only way we make a change is if Sister Sally gets mad at the preacher for the new carpet and leaves. Yeah. And we get a replacement for Sister Sally. He's not talking about you, Sally. There's not a Sally that okay. I'm aware I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, we, and we, we call that success because something happened. Yeah. Well, that's a false something that happened. Sure. It's a repetition. It's, it's praying vain repetitions. Mm. And uh, so the, the, command was to, the command was to go to every nation and make disciples. That word nations can be interpreted as the word tongue. Yeah. Mm. Right? 
God, God dispersed the people first to become nations by changing their tongue. Right. So nations speak different tongues. But if you, if you bring that back full circle, a tongue is, if you work in the medical field, you, you have a tongue. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you work in the IT field, you have a tongue. If you do construction, you have a tongue. If you're in sports, sure. you have a tongue. If you're, yeah. you're, you're told to go make disciples of every tongue. So yeah. what tongue do you speak? It's yeah. good. You need to go make disciples of that tongue. It's good. It's good. Mm. So. so how long have you been doing this ministry? See, is it called? Um, Grace United Urban Grace Ministries. Grace United Urban Ministry. That's the name of your ministry. Yeah. How long have you been doing this? Um, well, if, if, you, if you look at how I was raised and how we got married, <laughs> I've really been doing it all my life. Okay, sure. But Grace United Urban Ministries, as far as, as being us ministering to homeless people, uh, particularly in the streets of downtown Oklahoma City, is about 10 years. So you come to the city and do that? Uh, we go to Shawnee. We, we come to, to Oklahoma City. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be meeting, uh, I guess, a group of Dell City and Midwest City Police. Okay. In the parking lot of 901 South Sooner. Yeah, I and, want you to talk about that. And they're gonna they're gonna take us to some camps in the Midwest City Dell City area. Okay. That uh, we're not aware of that they want us to be aware of, and uh, so we we'll we'll go wherever we sure. can we can find. Who determines and how is that determined where you go? Week by week. Uh, well, we've we, we started out with Church Under the Bridge for okay. four years or so. Sure. Uh, went out on our own. Uh, we we don't just we don't quote hold a service. Right. Uh, we go to the day center parking lot where there is uh, at Third and Virginia where there's a large contingency of of homeless people. We set up shop. Uh, we hand out food. We hand out clothes. Um, you know. Uh, we, we gather people up and while we're waiting to pray over the food, we get a little gathering and we, we give a few minutes of, of encouragement right. and, and, and gospel to them, uh, pray over them and over the food. Uh, you know, some of those folks will come and ask you for prayer. Some of those folks will, will ask you questions. Uh, you'll, you'll initiate conversations with those people. Um, then when you got food left over, you got clothes left over, there's, there's sort of a route that we make where we know there's camps, there's empty lots, there's back alleys. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if Lawrence made it here or not this morning, but Lawrence is with us, uh, paralyzed from the waist down in a wheelchair. We found him in an alleyway mm. in the wintertime with snow on the ground, uh, literally freezing. Wow. Um, He's now getting stem cell therapy from a clinic in Springdale, Arkansas, and texted me this morning that he felt the bottom of his foot. Mm. Praise God. Praise when God. When he put the sensor for the electrode on it for the first time. Praise God. You know, uh, he may have died yeah. in that alleyway in the two right. winter storms we had yeah. if we'd not found him. Right. right. So, uh, you know, after, after you've done this for a while, you, you know where to look. Sure. Uh, I'm writing another book called Discovering Invisible People, which is talking about how, how homeless people are invisible to our society. We, we, we pull up to the stop sign with our panhandling and we stare straight ahead so we don't have to make peripheral vision contact with them. Uh, 
you know, we don't even see them when we go by. You you go for a ride with me downtown, and there's a camp, there's a camp, there's a tent, right. you know, that's a home, and you're going, oh, well, I, I never would have known, I, I didn't recognize. Uh, you know, our interstate highway system is, is, is made so that you don't have to go through the urban core of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So everything's designed for you to miss them. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are cynical, right, about the homeless. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I want you to speak to that for just a minute because I, you know, even for me, I mean, I'm pretty direct <laughs> with you and we've, we've talked through some of those things, but I, I, the reason that I endorse your ministry is your approach and, and what your goal is when you are ministering to a homeless person. So can you talk about that real quick? Well, yeah, I may mention before when people come to the restaurant, we, we tell them what we do. And, uh, so the, the question that almost everybody asks in some form or another is, with, with all these government programs, why do we still have so many homeless people? Now that's really not the question they're asking. What they're really asking is, what's the reason we have homeless people? Yeah. And there's the four stereotypes. Uh, either they're all so dadgum lazy, they just won't work. Right. Or they're all mentally ill and won't take their medicine. Or they're all addicts and, and, and they're all strung out all the time. Um, Number four, or, or, they're, or they're all sexual perverts that get out of prison, can't get a job. Mm. And so what they really want you to do is, is which one of those four do you endorse as being number one, number two, number three, <laughs> number four? Yeah. Because people come at this from a very judgmental standpoint. Yeah. You know, if, if, if they just get off their butts and work. Right. If they just take their medicine, you know, well, I explained the four stereotypes and I go, none of those four are the reason we have so many homeless people. What? Well, wh what's the reason? The reason we have so many homeless people is they've run out of a support network. Right. Because there's more people with mental illness living in homes than on the street. There's more sexual perverts that got out of prison living in homes than on the street. There's more addicts living in homes than on the street. The ones on the street didn't have anyone to pay their bills, didn't have anyone to give them a bed, didn't have anyone to feed them, didn't have anyone to make sure they took their medicine or, or they ran out of their sanity in trying to do those things. Mm. Uh, think about the fact that if, if you grow up uh, with, with a dad that just got mom pregnant and left and he doesn't even know he's a dad and, and your mama has four kids by four dads and she didn't graduate high school and she has no discernible skills with four kids you can't even get a job as a waitress because you can't afford daycare mm -hmm. so what happens when one of your siblings gets a life-threatening disease what happens when mama gets sick and dies as a good okie would say there ain't nobody mm. where do you go it's like those it's like those boys that we took into the to the boys home who aged out of foster care and, and now they're the system says we're not responsible if you no more where do you go sure if your foster parents won't keep taking care of you you go to the street and so uh there there's a myriad of reasons those are the four stereotypes um but we find college graduates on the street mm-hmm mm uh, one of the first women I met personally uh, was a Presbyterian lady, and she was uh, 60 some years old. She'd been an accountant for an accounting firm all her life. 
uh, was married, had two children. Her husband got cancer. She struggled for years uh, taking care of him, working the job, uh, ended up having to quit to go home to take care of him. He lived outlived all his prognosis two more years. At the end of two years, he four years now, but two years that she's quit her job, he dies. She ends up losing her house shortly thereafter. She calls her children, her grown adult, successful grown adult children for help. And her oldest son says to her, mom, if you can't get a job, there must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we met her while she was staying on, at the city rescue mission and she was on the street and she didn't know how to live on the street. Yeah. Uh, we met another woman just recently, a uh, retired school teacher from Dell City, mm. uh, science teacher, uh, no family, has a sister in Nebraska, uh, no other family. Uh, she starts to have some health difficulties. She takes in a live-in caretaker who begins to abuse her and convinces her that she is mentally ill who gets her to change her will, yeah. who ends up putting her in the mental hospital, who changes all the pictures in her house from the lady's pictures to the caretaker's pictures, yeah. who literally stole everything the woman had. Mm. Yeah. And nobody knew except the neighbors knew something was wrong, but they didn't want to get involved. Right. Sure. Yeah. You know what? We ought to be involved in people's lives. That's true. That is true. The, the priest and the Levite, yeah. they, they went and looked and saw. The priest and the Levite, what's their responsibility? Their responsibility mm -hmm. is to connect man to God. with God. Mm -hmm. They went and looked and they left Boy. their responsibility undone. And the Samaritan is the one that came. The hated Samaritan came yeah. and showed compassion. Yeah. To me, the church every day is looking at people's lives and walking away because we don't want to get involved. Right. We don't want to sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to give up our convenience. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We're not trained for that. That's not our calling. That's not our anointing. And I'm, I'm on a I'm on a soapbox. <laughs> well, that's why you're here. We wanted to give you a soapbox. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm glad it's not raining inside, right? <laughs> well, Wayne, man, honestly, we're we're out of time for this, and I know that there's like a million other things I wanted to talk about. Um, so, you know, you're a podcast from the String Grace Network. You've got uh, the Breaking Free podcast yes. and some other ones. And and uh, if you guys are listening to this podcast right now and you want to check out more of Wayne's stuff, you can go to stringgrace.com and and check on that. And then also on the Conversations podcast, uh, I've interviewed you a couple times and it's different every time it's not the same podcast so um but man i just want to i want to thank you for being here yes, this morning and being a part of this me. uh really powerful stuff and uh if you want to find out more about grace united urban ministries they can go to what's the website gum.faith g-u-u-m that's right g-u-u-m.faith god bless you guys thanks for joining us again on another new life podcast and we will see you next time